I did the work one-on-one -on -one with a therapist for a long time before I did group and in group I felt like I was making six times the progress. You almost save some of the legwork because Allie said it. I didn't say it. I was feeling it, but I didn't have to come up with words for it. And then Chris solved it, and I got to just witness the whole thing and benefit from it. Hello, friends. Welcome to today's podcast. Today, Jen and I have the pleasure and honor of introducing two young friends of ours to you, uh, Sarah and Allie. And these women are amazing. Um, they, I had the honor of leading them through a group process. And as it happens, uh, we gathered community and we formed deep friendships and bonds. And these women have become go-to uh, friends and confidants for me. And uh, I'm just so grateful how things work in God's economy that way. Um, it's amazing that Sarah and Allie took time out of their schedules and money out of their budgets and came to my home for a weekend and since Jen and I live close and are close, I invited her into our the, the weekend experience, and we had an unexpected retreat together. It was amazing. And um, even though I've known Sarah and Allie for two years, this was our first time meeting in person all together. Uh, and, and it was just such, it was so enriching. Everyone walked away refreshed, energized, encouraged, and and so happy uh, for, again, how things work in God's economy. There are so many benefits to groups. So yeah, what was that experience like for you, Jen? Oh my gosh, it was absolutely amazing. Today, the topic really is about the importance, and I truly mean that, the importance of community when you're going through recovery from betrayal. And in that, I got to meet your two people, Allie and Sarah, your grandchildren. <laughs> kind of. <huh? laughs> and as a result, they became my people. Uh, mm -hmm. These two women, after spending the weekend with them, first of all, I walked into a room where we had similar woundings and we also went through a similar healing process. So we had, we spoke the same language. We have the same tools. So I automatically walked into the presence of women who got it and, and who were really quite safe for me. And as a result, I really, I really ended up having a lot of respect and admiration for these two women. These are the, these are the type of women that I want to do life with. These are the type of women I want to walk with because of their commitment to their own healing. They're very formidable women. You grafted them into your heart. I saw that process happen in warp speed. Yes. And I love what you said. It's because you have that common ground. We have that common language and experience, and, and we get it. We understand the boundaries, the parameters, and the confidentiality, all of that. It's such a blessing. Absolutely. And so if, if any of you are out there wondering, like, do I want to be a part of a group healing process? Um, if, if you have any hesitation this, this will be a really great podcast for you to listen to so that you can have a really good understanding as to how the groups work and really what can come from it. First and foremost, community, relationship, closeness. Mm -hmm. It's so worth it. The benefits go beyond what you expect. At least that's been my experience. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Betrayal Recovery Transformation Podcast, your place to reclaim your life after betrayal. My name is Jen Howie. 
Hi friends, my name is Chris Rocha. Jen and I are pastoral sex addiction professionals and coaching experts with over 20 years combined experience. We're so glad you're here with us for today's podcast. Yes, we are because we have two special guests on our show today and they are going to talk with you and us all about the benefits of joining a betrayal group. I am definitely having a pinch me moment because I had the honor of facilitating the group that these two beautiful souls joined and we became such good friends and they're actually staying with Todd and I for a few days and I'm loving every minute of it. It's an amazing thing to meet women that you've bonded with over Zoom in person. Yes, oh my goodness, it really is. I had the opportunity to do that recently and to just be able to physically hug the person that I've been walking with for two years just know well, I knew they were a real person I mean they were on the other side of zoom but <laughs> but there she was and now here we are with the both of you Chris I was your group leader so these gay gals basically I mean essentially these are my grandchildren. They are. They're your heritage. <laughs> and that is so cute and fun to say, but it's also very true. It is, we've talked about this, it's the just being able to see the pay it forward, the fruits of the sacrifice, the labors, the tears that you've cried, the efforts that you've put in to ministering to other women. Now you're getting to see the downline. And I, I don't say that to make that it about me. I say it um, as a testament to the importance of sharing our story and passing forward the things that we've learned. I often, you hear me say all that, you guys always hear me say this, but I, I say that I rode the coattails of the person that had gone before me. And what I love about what's taking place today is I did that with somebody else, you did that with me, they did this with you, and now here we are with this ripple effect that is going forward. And I am so excited to have the both of you here today because we want people to understand the importance of the subject today, which is the benefits of betrayal groups. So welcome to the both of you, Allie and Sarah, to the Betrayal Transformation Podcast. Yep. I just have to say, we were talking the other day uh, when we all met in person and Sarah says to Allie, oh my gosh, I can see your knees because we met over Zoom. And so it's just uh, so cool. To they have see, knees. Like, You're real. You have knees. Have. Also, you have feet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so um, yeah, please tell us a little bit about yourselves or, or tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves. Sarah, we'll start with you. Um, I just have to add that we discovered we have the same pinky toe as well. So that was such, <laughs> such a, a bonding weird thing. moment. I'm not sure what that means, but okay. Um, <laughs> I won't describe it, but <laughs> pinky toe sisters. Um, but my name is Sarah, and I have four children between the ages of three and nine. And I have been married to um, my husband for 15 years. We had D-Day about, uh, it was eight years ago. Um, but we definitely struggled with sex addiction the entire time and just didn't have a name for it. What do you do for a living and what do you do oh, for, we go. for fun think, and self-care? I am a, I'm a branding and marketing expert and I have a small business. And um, mostly what I do is homeschool my children. So that is the majority of my, my work. And for self-care, I love to run and work out. And don't picture me as like a super fit person. It doesn't mean I'm super fit. It means I get a lot of um, endorphins and I've, it just makes me feel good. Um, so I balance that out with, I really like to eat. So <laughs> you're a we've, foodie. We've yes. done some of that here, haven't we? Oh, yes, we eat so we well at Chris's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Allie. 
Uh, my name is Ali and I'm from Canada and I've been on my healing journey now for three years and I have four beautiful kids just like Sarah between the ages of three and 11. My favorite self-care would definitely be just going on a walk. I love listening to podcasts. I love... You are a podcast girl. I am. Every sentence starts yes. with, yes. I heard on a podcast. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, just getting a good book also is just getting lost in a good book is something I really enjoy. What kind of books well. do you like? Do you like like fiction, nonfiction? Uh, definitely fiction. It's getting lost in a story that does it for me. Uh -huh. So historical fiction is my favorite, yeah. but Amen. I really yeah. can. Okay, so we're going to just dive right in. And Chris pointed out that I say that in almost every episode. So, you know, it is your catchphrase. It, it apparently is. It is. So here we go, ladies, diving in. Uh, what inspired you to join a betrayal trauma group? I mean, most women don't necessarily say, hey, I think I'll join this group. So what actually inspired you to do that? And really, what were your initial expectations? Uh, for me, I had done a weekend intensive right after D-Day for us. And just that initial relief that I felt of I'm not alone, of experiencing um, that feeling in a group setting was really powerful for me. And I knew that I wanted that on a more long-term basis as I began my healing journey. And I didn't really have any set expectations. It was more just a hope, uh, a hope that I could build that and have that help in that community. Um, for me, it was, we were five years, five years out from D-Day and we had tried everything. And my very desperate husband approached me with a podcast he had heard um, Jen actually on and said, hold the phone. One last thing. Hail Mary. We haven't tried this. And I responded with so much bitterness and did not want to. and was very resistant. And for months he hounded me and he was in a group and it was definitely helping him. And, um, I just didn't want to take any advice from him. But finally, out of pure stubbornness of I'm not walking away without trying everything, I never wanted to be called a quitter, um, I was like, fine, I'll do the dumb group was my was my response, literally. Um, my expectations were low. My expectations were that we would sit around griping about our problems. And I was very um, not looking forward to it. And my expectations for the women I would meet were low. It was it was not good. I didn't come into group with high expectations. So one of you came in with no expectations. The other one came <laughs> in with low expectations. Correct. I'm assuming that the expectations were, you know, exceeded. Absolutely. Um, pretty quickly. And um, I, Chris, Chris told me this like a year later, just how angry I looked. And I... I was shocked because I was like, wow, she's so intuitive. I knew I was feeling that. I didn't know it was written all over my face. But it was by group three, meeting three, that I realized this far exceeded my expectations. And I was going to get so much out of it. And it was a space where I had something to offer, where my my pain wasn't wasted. My suffering wasn't wasted. Um, doing it alone in isolation meant what was the point? Um, being in a place where I could share that with people not only helped me, but it, it gave it meaning. Um, and that even annoyed me. Remember when you put the, to our group chat, you put a Toby Mac quote one day. Yes. 
Yeah, you remember it that? was uh, the something about the manual you're writing right now is going to be a page that's going to be in someone else's survival guide mm-hmm. going forward. And your response was, I don't want this, mm-hmm. which I, I totally respected. You were so honest and I, I really appreciated and respected your authenticity. I thought that was really healthy, actually. I would love to ask you, can you describe some of the specific ways in which participating in a betrayal trauma group helped you in your healing process? Yeah, I think actually one of the things just happened for me the other day again, and it just really reminded me of the power of being in a group. When you're in so much trauma, your brain is not thinking clearly and you're speaking from old and deep wounds. Um, and just being able to be in a group setting where you can expose those lies and have other people speak truth into you when your own brain isn't really working was so powerful to me. And that actually just happened the other day, something I've been carrying around for, I mean, for three years now that was affecting me so deeply that I had never shared with somebody. I put it in our group chat and you know, my ladies spoke truth into it and it just allowed me then to combat that lie with truth I knew but could never um, form for myself. And so that was a really powerful experience that I had in group just every week that we met. And as well for me, it was just powerful, you know, times when I showed up and I didn't have hope and I was struggling to borrow that hope from others. And I think we did that for each other a lot of times. Absolutely. I would say that what you just shared is is that's twofold. It's when when Chris spoke hope into what you gave words to, I was there to witness it because my response was, wow, what Allie's feeling, I'm also feeling too, and it sucks. And I didn't have any words for it. And Chris came like an hour later and spoke the truth into it. And um, all I was doing was commiserating and she brought the truth and I needed it as well, but I didn't even have words for what I was feeling. So I would say one of the specific benefits of group is uh, bringing to light things that you are feeling and thinking and experiencing. And then you almost save some of the legwork because Allie said it. I didn't say it. I was feeling it, but I didn't have to come up with words for it. And then Chris solved it. And I got to just witness the whole thing and benefit from it. And group was like that. So many times someone in our group would process something or experience it or bring it to light. And it would be such a shared common experience that we would all be just glued to the screen. We would all just have mouths open like, what? well, what's the response for this? And we would be waiting at that moment. We were all just so wounded We were really waiting to hear what Chris would ask her, like, let's explore this more, you know, not fix it, but she was always helping us dig into it. And we're like, this is good. I need this too. I didn't know I needed it, but I need it. So that was really beneficial for somebody that struggles to put feeling words and and express my needs and thoughts. Well, Um, even then, as when when you're in betrayal trauma, your access to those areas of the brain actually become Uh, inhibited. So you don't actually have as much access to that. And that really is part of the benefit of group. Um, Just from a healing standpoint with the brain, our ability to access those areas are, you know, there's a roadblock there. So when we're 
talking about it, when we're hearing about it, when we, um, when we're writing it down, even when we draw, like all these different areas, articulating, um, all of those things help us gain access to our healing. So I can see why you're wait. you know, the good things coming from Chris, right? Cause she's had the experience and to hear from each other. Sometimes that just articulating alone or not being able to articulate alone is, is so I can, it can often feel isolating. So to hear someone else say it and put words to it, that's why we love music. Music puts words to all the things that we're feeling. And the Psalms. I love reading the Psalms because it's comforting to know that someone who lived 4,000 years ago experienced the the depths of depravity and despair and the elation and the joy, just the, the human experience um, that I'm feeling right now. And, and it's so helpful to have those words. So like you both said, to have someone else say what you maybe don't have words to say and then maybe to be able to offer that for someone else in kind in another, in another situation is, is, uh, it's just comforting, isn't it? And I would say specifically, just practically it's comforting, but it's also, I did the work one-on-one with a therapist for a long time before I did group. And in group, I felt like I was making six times the progress because I was, I got the privilege of witnessing six other women's journey yes, and wow, got to see good. their, so it just felt so much more productive to my own healing, right. better exchange for my time and effort. Right. Cause you, when you're doing counseling, it's one-on-one and you feel like, oh, this is super beneficial, but you're right. You're literally hearing counseling from everybody else in the group as well, or they're processing. That's a really yeah, great point. Yeah. It accelerated my growth yeah. for sure in that season. So in that, when you are going through group, you will learn different tools and different strategies to deal with the trauma that you have in your life. So how did you take those tools that you had learned and translate it into um, improvement in areas of your life? Like your, well, your entire life, your relationships, your self-esteem, um, your overall well-being. How did you learn to use those tools and strategies when, uh, when you were in group? Uh, we learned something that was so key for me in group. And I, I don't think this is, I don't think this is specific to the specific group I was in. I think it's something you learn from community with other women, but showing up and being accepted and having, having my boundaries and having not being rejected helped my self-esteem, helped me realize that I could just, just do me and not have to wear the mask. And that helped me be more comfortable when I left group being me and realizing um, that the like acceptance or rejection I got outside of that was, was going to be okay. Um, the other big thing was boundaries. I remember when we drew the boundaries picture, when we did the illustration, I thought it was so goofy and I <laughs> rolled my eyes and I tried not to roll them where Chris could see them, but I was like, <laughs> oh, I oh. saw it <laughs> because we all rolled our eyes when we did it. <laughs> right. And she said, she was like, this is going to feel goofy, but do it. And I was like, I wanted to say I tried everything. So here I go drawing the dumb picture, but life-changing for me drawing that picture. I still keep it in my room. I have shown it to people um, when I tell them about group. And I see that they feel like it might be a little goofy, but um, it was, for me, it was a way to express myself that I didn't know I needed. 
Um, and in the first picture, I was just covered in boulders and it was everyone else's burdens and I had no boundaries and my children were defenseless then around me. And then the second picture was, what does it look like if you have boundaries? And I drew, you know, that we were protected behind this this barbed wire fence and my children were commenting like, look how strong mom is. And I was holding my little girl instead of flat on my face. And when I shared that in group um, and just had that affirmed and had that, it's okay that your mom is behind the fence. No one said, oh, but she's your mom. I had a group of women that were like, yeah, that makes sense. We're glad that you have this and affirm that. Um, I was able to take those tools, not just in my marriage, but outside of that with other adult relationships and didn't even realize that I needed that. Do you still draw? I don't. <laughs> Drawing is something I only did because I trusted the process. Yeah. 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 I'm me, a music Me person. neither. But, but you're right. Those, those drawings I hated because I'm not a crafts person. I'm a stick figure person. But in the long run, those became some of my very favorite processing tools. Um, I love my pictures now. It is fun to open the journal and look back at what we what we drew and what we expressed, and just to it's it was gratifying to me. I don't know if you guys experienced that, but how about you, Allie? Um, I mean, very similar to all the things that Sarah said, but I'll add on that one thing that I've taken from group and try to practice is learning self care throughout this. And for me, that was just something that I was always viewing as selfish. And just learning that it's actually something that helps us achieve the goals we want. So for example, I mentioned that I love going on walks, but it's not without a purpose. I love going on walks and it's good self-care for me because that actually helps me to show up more present and patient with my kids. It's that cascade of, of health that it brings you to. Um, so it just helped me revamp my idea of self-care, which was it's selfish and indul indulgent, um, to seeing that it is helping me heal. And that was just something that was really important for me to learn. And I learned that in group. And I was encouraged by my group members to have self-care and from Chris. And oftentimes when one of us was going through something hard and we knew it, what are you doing for self-care? And I think it's one of the questions we all ask each other even still, what are you doing for self-care? Because we learned how important it is. And I'll also just add too that one of the very first rules we learned, or not rules, but was to not give advice, to just listen. And that taught me to show up better in other relationships and friendships. And I'm still learning, but I think we learned how to be there for each other. And that comes out in other relationships, even today, friendships and with our kids. And yeah. And on that note, I will say that I learned from my group leader, who was the Jen Howie sitting next to me. But Jen was my group leader. And I learned in group that the reason we don't want to give advice, especially to someone in trauma that's not being asked for, is that... Um, and Jen, you'll put this more eloquently than I can put it, but it's basically that we want to ask open-ended questions that will allow the person to come to their own conclusion or to have their own aha moment. Because if we allow, if we'll, if we'll abide with them, if we'll be in that space with them 
and not fix it for them, but, uh, but ask them questions that allow them to have their own self-discovery, they will be authentic to that. They will, they will be able to keep that. It's their own growth pattern. No one's telling them what to do. They are solving their own problem and they're developing those neural pathways in their brain. And it's so empowering. And so I love that you brought that up, Allie, um, that, yeah, one of the, one of the, rules or guidelines of group is not to give advice because you never know what's going to trigger someone else. I don't like being told what to do. Um, I do appreciate being asked questions that help me dig deeper. So yeah, well, let's just stay with that for just a moment. I mean, not that we're doing a whole group segment in that way, but this is a really great opportunity to remind just in friendships um, in any type of relationship that um, the processing that we need to do is the, he- that's the healing work, right? Cause it's done internally, right? One of the groups, I don't think it was a group I was in, but with an organization that I was working with, one of the groups that had happened, what had happened is a lady had shared scripture and that scripture, she, it was well-intended. This is where we go into the, um, motivation versus intent. The intent was good, but the motivation was to really help try to fix this person and unfortunately, this woman had used a scripture that that scripture had been used by her parents to abuse her and to shame her. And so unbeknownst to this other woman who had great intentions, who had great intentions, she was sharing the scripture to try to solve this issue, really ended up um, causing some harm. And they got through it. They worked through it. And they had a group leader that was great. And it, it turned out fine. But I think that's just a really good lesson that whenever we're in relationship and sitting around a table with anybody, um, to not make assumptions as to what they need to hear, but to open space and ask intelligent questions. Maybe let's say we don't even have any intelligent questions, but I think we all know what it looks like to be curious. So I wonder if those those sort of questions and, and don't underestimate the power of just holding space and letting awkward silences take place because that's... Just being known is is so powerful. Yep. My uh, coaching mentor when I was uh, going through school for that said, never underestimate the power of providing a safe space for someone to simply be heard. So ladies, in your opinion, what are some of the unique benefits that women can derive from participating in a women-only betrayal trauma group as opposed to other forms of therapy or support? I tried, like I said, I tried sitting with a pastor. I tried sitting with the pastor's wife. I tried couples counseling with a pastor. I tried a female therapist, why a male did, why therapist. Why didn't they work? Well, I will say that when I got in a group and I experienced the difference of group, and I'm not saying group is the only answer. I'm saying that that is what made the biggest, quickest impact on my healing and helped me experience the most growth in exchange for my time and energy. But I would say that those other things didn't work for me because in group, um, like, like Chris said, nobody was trying to fix me. So I didn't feel resistance. Also, when I sit down with a therapist, the therapist doesn't have empathy and then go, yeah, let me share what happened with my husband. And so we don't have this shared experience. Um, I was talking to Ali and we talked about being analyzed. Do you want to talk about that? No, uh, I fully just agree to what you're saying. And um, for me, like I have a a great counselor that I work with and all those things are so helpful to me, but I fully agree that, like, I love this question because I would tell anybody 
where I experienced the greatest healing is in group. And for all the reasons that you mentioned, um, you're on equal footing. You can be vulnerable in a different way. You have other people who are hearing you and putting words to your experience. Um, the mask is off. When we talk about just other forms of support, even outside of therapy um, or with a counselor, even friends and family, there is an aspect you realize where you still have to wear some sort of a mask mm -hmm. around them. They're not going to be able to handle this, you think, or it's hard to fully let the mask fall with your um, with other forms of support, which can be exhausting. And in group, it felt like that was the only place for two hours a week that the mask could completely be off and you could be open and vulnerable. That is so good. As a recovery military wife, if you're a military wife, you know what I mean? You know, if you think about it in the in the sense of there's a general, so your counselor's like the general. We need a general when we're in battle. Someone, someone's got to make the plan. Someone's got to lead. Someone's got to tell us what direction we're going to go. But could you imagine going into battle, just you and the general? Not enough people. <laughs> you need people on the front line. You, you, you need other people with you to win a battle. You need and, a troop. Yeah. And so I think that's what group does as well. Therapy is excellent. We need therapy. We need that, that knowledge, that understanding, um, and that leadership. But we also need battle buddies that really sounds I love minimizing. that term though. I know you do it's almost a criticism a battle <laughs> buddy um and 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 so yeah we do we need those we need those people to be on the front lines with us I think that is a huge benefit to group as well don't underestimate I said that a lot today what is with me apparently I've underestimating as a as a, as a thought in my head today. <laughs> Let's explore that more, Jen. Okay, Why do you, we? Go why ahead, do you go think that it, is? Where's the origin <laughs> story for that? I am your grandchild. What so. are you experiencing as you say that, Jen? I feel because I think. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that for me as, as a group member, it, those, like you said, Allie, those two hours during this period in my life felt like the only two hours where I could be real. I didn't have to have it together. I didn't have to smile. I didn't have to have makeup on. I could just come in a hot mess and know I was going to be loved and accepted and helped and heard and held. Even through, even though we did it over Zoom, I was being held by my my group leader and my fellow battle buddies. Um, but there's just these beautiful women. And I know, Ali, you and I have talked before about the Norwegian term huga. H-Y-G-G-E, ladies, is how you spell that, but it's the whole uh, Nordic way of living of simplicity and candles and warm a warm drink and a fire going and um, snugly cozy, and that's how group felt to me. Even though we were all in trauma, it felt like I was being held and warmed and helped, and um, I left feeling just so much better. I would add to that that it was so beneficial just mentally to be in that those two hours. I remember sitting down in front of the computer and anticipating seeing you ladies, and it felt like putting a burden down. And when it was five minutes left, I was tensing up, ready to pick up my burden. And it took me months to realize it wasn't that I needed to come and be cared for as much as it was that I needed to put down the burden for two hours of protecting all my people from how hard my life was in that moment. 
my mom couldn't handle it and my friends couldn't handle it, but you ladies could handle it. And so I could just be and abide with you. And that was such a burden that you helped me carry that I didn't have to protect you. And it was exhausting to have to protect everyone else. So it was relaxing not to. Galatians 6 verses 2 through 5 talk about, uh, well, you're talking about being a burden bearer. And I love that scripture because it talks about bearing one another's burdens. And the word burden there in the Greek translates to boulder, something that would crush you, uh, something that there's no way you could humanly carry on your own. Um, and then later in the verse, it talks about each one should carry their own load. And that Greek word translates to basically a knapsack or a backpack. It's a, it's a daily load that we should all be carrying on our own. We can do that. But in, in Galatians 6.2, that word is bolder. It would crush us. And, we, and that's why the Bible says, bear one another's burdens. And therefore, you are fulfilling the law of Christ. And what's the law of Christ? Love God, love others. So I love that you brought that up, Sarah, because um, it is an honor to, to bear other people's burdens. And it's such a blessing to know that I have people I can reach out to that will do that with me and I don't have to do it alone. I always love listening to you, Chris. I mean, as long as we've been friends, you've always been the person to bring me back to the word. You've always held space for all my troublemaking and you've always brought me back to Christ. You were the first person that really taught me what it was like to be seen even in my sin and fully loved. So I just love that about you, that you always bring the word back. So thank you. Thank you for doing that here today. I was thinking back to my, my very first group experience. Um, I was living in Bend, Oregon, super, super cold. It was raining and Dan and I got in a big fight and I walked, I think it was about a mile and a half in the rain um, with and there was still kind of snow sort of on the side of the road and I wasn't on a sidewalk. And I, by the time I got there, I remember I had those high boots back when high boots were in. Right. I still have those boots. I probably shouldn't 10 years later, but I do because <laughs> we do that. But thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. So I walked, um, I walked a mile and a half in the rain with no sidewalk, um, cars driving by splashing and I got to group and I'm wet and very cold and driven and fueled by hurt and anger. So I had these moments where like nothing was going to keep me from group. I, nothing. But I also had plenty of moments where like I would do anything to not have to go to group today. Did either one of you experience those things? And, and if you did, how did you overcome it? Are you you know, was it different once you got there? What was the, what were those experiences like for you, if you had any? Yeah, I definitely had lots of times. And even initially too, even though I said at the beginning that I wanted it, there's still that aspect of, aspect of, I'm not the one who needs this. I don't need to do the work. And there was lots of times even throughout the process where I was so frustrated that I had to show up when I was tired, when I didn't want to. and for me, I actually found, although we're saying all the benefits, it also is very emotionally draining. And I would know that that night would be a struggle for me because it is a lot of work that you're doing and you're digging deep into things that you don't really want to touch. And um, so sometimes even anticipating that exhaustion that I would feel after would make it very hard for me to show up. But I will say that I never regretted showing up. 
Yeah. And that way for me, it was a lot like a workout, whereas it became a habit I looked forward to and enjoyed. But every day I walk into the gym, I definitely am not like, hoorah, let's make this hurt. Like that is not my attitude. And I'm so glad I'm not the only one that thinks (laughs) that. (laughs) Um, And it was the same for group for sure. And I remember at the beginning of group, you could tell everyone's emotional temperature once we got to know one another and it never matched. It was never everybody was um, the same at the same time. Sometimes people were on the warpath. Sometimes they had just come off of a, a high from being very hurt. Sometimes they didn't want to be there. The fact that we showed up for each other with these ups and downs, highs and lows, made it feel more and more and more safe as it went along. That if Allie didn't want to be there last week, it's okay if I plop down in front of the computer with my clearly frustrated face. They were just going to accept me. And it became easier over time. But there were definitely days of dread. And there were, like she said, it was emotionally exhausting to be in that much growth that quickly engaged in so much healing, very grateful for it, but very, um, you had to be intentional about managing your energy that day, group day. I just want to, you know, tip my hat to those of you who have young children that are doing this. I, oh my goodness, what it takes to do that, it must be absolutely tremendous. So while well done to the both of you and to all of you out there who are listening that are doing this with young, ch- young children. And maybe we should talk and about full-time that. jobs yeah, too. Yeah. 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 And that mask that you men- mentioned, Allie, you had to go to work the next day. Um, I can't tell you how many people would tell me you're such a positive person. I'm like, Oh my gosh, if you do the narrative in my head right now, this has been a great conversation. And I, I I just, I'm so happy sitting around this table with the three of you, um, in, in closing, this is something that we ask all of our guests. What advice would you offer to women who might be considering joining a betrayal group, but are hesitant or unsure about taking that step? I would say, because as someone who was extremely hesitant and came in like a cat being put in a bathtub, I would say whatever inner voice is telling you not to join, I would examine that voice and ask yourself where it's coming from. Because whether you're spiritual or a Christian or whatever your higher power is, would the God who created you encourage you? to stay away from this powerful source of, of healing? Um, or is it like it was for me? My own stubbornness, fear, pride. I think I had a lot of pride when I examined the voice inside of me that said, don't join it. So yeah, just examine what's your motivation there. Why are you wanting to stay away? And my other, because I'm just a straightforward person, is girl, just do it. Just the worst that can happen is that you don't like it after a few weeks, but I would bet my left leg you're going to benefit from it. Yeah. And I just want to validate that it is a scary thing to think about putting yourself and your story out with a bunch of new people. It is a scary thing to think about doing that. Um, But just how valuable it is to have that safe container for your grief, a safe place to tell your story, community and connection that you will not find outside, possibly find outside of group is just so worth it. And I don't want to, I just want to be careful because we've had such a great group experience. I don't want to, you know, make it all seem like roses. You might, you might need to work to find your people, but once you find your people, you're going to see how healing it is to have them. 
And yeah, so that. So if it doesn't, if the first experience isn't great, don't write it off. Mm-hmm. Go, I, I, go to it's the just, next, go to the next yeah, one. my point is it is just so worth it having that community. Even if it ends up being one person in the group you connect with, uh, find your people. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jen, what was your, I'm, I'm curious what your experience was with your group, the, the one that you were a part of. My first one? Because I did group three times before I led. My first one, I think I was the hot mess. I mean, I don't think any of us here are surprised that I was a hot mess. I'm a little <laughs> bit of a hot mess everywhere well, I go. You're not. And, and in trauma, that's no different. But um, yeah, there was it was just a handful of us that were there. And I... I sat on the edge of my seat every single week. I was desperate to understand what was taking place because my first husband was in prison. My second husband had cheated. And I'm like, WTF, what do I do with this information? And, or I just, it, it really helped me pack it away. Um, helped me, I mean, to file it away really is what I'm trying to say. And, and then with every time I went back into group, I got something else out of it differently every single time. Just like when you read the word of God, something will stick out one time and then another. And so for me, I found great benefit to go through the material at least twice because you're a different person in three months, six months, nine months, a year later, and certainly several years later, you are truly a different person. And so to go through the material more than one time, I found to be very beneficial. But I want to add to what you said, Allie. If it's not working, that's okay. Like if 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 you are in a group and you are like, this is not for me. This is trauma, trauma, trauma too much. You don't have to stay. You 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 don't have to be there, and that's okay. Or maybe you're like, I'm not ready for this. That's okay. But don't stop pursuing something to move toward healing. If the group experience isn't for you, that's all right. We've all benefited from it for years now, and we recommend, highly recommend it to anyone. But each of us is in a such an individual healing process that it's okay. You don't have to do it just because someone on a podcast said to go do it, right? You've got a good gut. You've got the Holy Spirit to guide you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, then ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, <laughs> you know? And so it's okay for it not to look very cookie cutter or perfect on paper. It's, it can be kind of messy and confusion. But like you said, sometimes walking out with just one person can make all the difference. One of the benefits I receive from group is I am an Enneagram 7. If you are all familiar with with the Enneagram, um, I'm I'm a person that throws confetti on everything. I'm always positive. I'm always looking to the future. I have a hard time being bored or in pain or being in the moment. And that's something that through group I learned to uh, to to, be, to press into pain, um, and to be in the moment and to feel things. And one of the things I appreciated about you, Jen, as my leader, was that you recognized that in me, and you didn't let me always be looking on the bright side. You asked me hard questions. You um, you encouraged me. I remember writing a letter or writing something in the journal. And you said, that's great. That's so sweet. Now go back and do it angry. And whoa, that was such an uncomfortable emotion. Uh, I was I was raised believing that anger, anger was a sinful emotion. It wasn't something that was beneficial to me. So it was the iron sharpens iron. Um, I was stretched. I was challenged. And it really helped me to evolve as a person. And I appreciate you, Jen, because I, I'm now able to, you gave those tools to me and now I'm able to pay that forward 
and the whole make your mess your message thing, right? So thank you, ladies. With that, on that note, we'll just wrap this up. This was such a treat and a, and a pleasure. And it, just like I said at the beginning of the of the hour, a pinch me moment. <laughs> this is such a blessing. Um, I do want to throw in here, and we'll put this in the show notes, that friends, if you would like information on groups, please feel free to email Jen or myself. You can send us your questions. We're happy to converse with you. I will say that um, a couple of groups that we know of that are great are the Broken for for women. Pure Desire has great women's groups. And of course, we recommend Pure Life Alliance. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, Pure Life Alliance is wonderful. And Bethesda, Allie did that one. There are so many out there. We even lead groups ourselves. So there are groups available if you're looking for help. We will get you connected with something that fits for you. Yeah, so thank you. Um, Thank you for tuning in. And thank you for being a part of our podcast community. Your support is valuable and we're here to serve you. So remember that healing is a journey. It's not a destination. And as we navigate the path of recovery and transformation together, know that you are never alone. Today should be a good example of that. You are never alone. Stay strong, stay hopeful, and keep working toward your brighter, empowered future. Until next time, friends, take good care and keep embracing your journey of healing. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Betrayal Recovery Transformation Podcast with your hosts, Chris Rocha and Jen Howie. We hope you've been helped and encouraged. If you value the content we shared today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. This helps others find the show. Need personalized guidance? please contact Chris or Jen for transformative coaching. This episode has been brought to you by HealingWithTheHowies.com, WatermarkCoach.com, and with the support of Pure Life Alliance Ministries.